Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you were always meant to be on. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the W-2 prison break show. Today we are speaking with Kent Ritter. This is going to be a great show. Seriously. I love multifamily investing and Kent is an entrepreneur and real estate investor and he is doing some great things, some big things in multifamily. But before that, his earliest days, he was in management consulting. So he had a W2 job. You're going to hear about his about his break from that, his W-2 prison break, how he grew a business from five employees sitting around a kitchen table up to 95 employees and then sold that off and then started getting into to multifamily. You're going to hear him break down the advantages versus investing in something like the stock market. You're going to hear about the tax benefits. You're going to hear how to get educated. There's going to be a lot of nuggets dropped in this episode. So I want you to listen all the way to the end. And if you prefer to watch, go on our YouTube channel. We air all of our episodes on our YouTube channel. And I really, really am excited for you to listen to this episode. Here we go. Kent, welcome to the show. Look forward to spending some time with you. Thanks for agreeing to be on. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. We were talking a little bit offline, and you know, the listeners always love to hear these great W two prison break stories. You've got a couple, it sounds like. Before we get into that, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background as to who you are, and then you know, talk about your path through corporate, and then we'll get into what you're doing now. Yeah, happy to. So Kent Ritter, husband, father of three, six, five, and three. So I got some little ones, just went back to school, well, I guess as of August. Yeah, I started out as a management consultant. So right out of college, went into management consulting, spent 12 years in that industry, which which we can dig into, you know, in a little more detail, kind of how I got out of there. But now really what I'm doing is focused on building out a firm called Hudson Investing. So it's a real estate private equity firm focused on multifamily acquisitions and development throughout the Midwest. And it's really about all about bringing really education and access to busy professionals and folks that you know don't typically understand that real estate is can be a very passive type of investment. So that's what really we're trying to educate them to understand what it is and give them access to, to great deals with our goal is to find the best risk-adjusted returns that we can in the market. And so that's really what I'm focused on these days. I love it. We're definitely going to take a deep dive into multifamily. I think it's a great asset class. I'm personally invested in it. But let's go back to corporate. You mentioned 12 years that you were head of management consulting firm. So let me get yeah. a little bit of a background there. And then when did you start really thinking about like, hey, this isn't my long-term gig? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I mean, even since I was a little kid, people would ask me what I want to do. And I'd say, you know, I want to own my own business. I just didn't know in what <laughs> or doing what at the time. Yeah. And even as I got into college, I really always had that same mindset that eventually I wanted to have my own business. And so, you know, in college, I kind of, you know, I took a tilt that way, took a lot of entrepreneurship classes and different things, but still didn't have that spark of like that idea of like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And so I decided to go into management consulting because I felt like that would just be a great way to see a lot of different businesses, understand how they operate and just really understand what it takes to run a business and like what works and, don't, and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly the exposure I got of working with hundreds of different businesses at different scales and helping them solve problems that they couldn't solve themselves. That's why they hired us. And so it was really just a great masterclass in what works, what doesn't, and how to solve problems, how to manage change, how to manage projects. And so it really was a great experience. Awesome. So you put in your 10,000 hours, 12 years, and, yep. and really got the education out in the field. It sounds like you had a plan all along, which is great. Not all of us yeah. have insight at such a young age, which is- Well, which I is will great. say that my original intent was to do it for like three years uh -huh. <laughs> and then you know do something else, right? Yeah. You know What ended up happening at that three-year mark was I did leave. I did become an entrepreneur but we started another management consulting firm. So what we did was myself and a few colleagues left the firm that we were at because we just saw an opportunity where we thought the industry was taking a right turn and our firm was just going to plow forward. So we saw the opportunity to go with that. We were right, which is great. But we also got really lucky. You know, so some of it's taking the chance of being right. Some of it, there's a little bit of luck involved, but we grew that firm from 2010 to 2015 from, I mean, literally five guys around a kitchen table to 95 employees and 30 million in annual revenue. And that was my first entrepreneurial journey, you know, and then in, in 2015, we sold that business to a larger management consulting firm who really absorbed our practice. Mm -hmm. And then I became a corporate executive and I spent four years from 15 to 19 as a corporate executive kind of back in a W2 job, which wasn't necessarily where I wanted to find myself, but it was just the, it was the requirement of the sale, you know, mm -hmm. to go there and have a four-year earnout period. So yeah, I had a couple stints in the corporate world in different ways. What did you, I love the fact that you went from five around the kitchen table. What a great analogy. Five guys around a kitchen table to 95 employees. I'm sure a lot of lessons learned there. How difficult was that and how big of a sacrifice did you have to make to get there? Yeah. I mean, you ask how difficult it was. Like, I know there were really hard times, but when I look back on it, it's a really positive experience. It doesn't seem like we had a lot of fun doing it because we had a great partnership team and everybody stayed in their swim lanes and everybody did did what they were going to do. And that's why we were able to grow so rapidly. But yeah, I mean, you've got to put in a lot of hours, a lot of hours. You put in your own cash. There's a lot of risk involved. And I think you got to be willing to work for it, especially at the beginning. I mean, at one point I was leading marketing I was leading methodology, like total, very different things, right? Like internal methodology. I helped design our website. You just, you wear a lot of different hats yeah. as an entrepreneur at the beginning. And so you learn a lot of different things too. And you just got to be willing to deal with a lot of change and a lot of things coming at you. But yeah, we had a lot of fun doing it and it was a fantastic experience. And then really 
having that experience now building my second business has just been invaluable. I've been able to, to really draw from a lot of those experiences, you know, as we do it a second time, it's kind of cool to have those lessons learned. Yeah. That's a great segue into what you're doing now with Hudson investing. Let's talk about, I want, I'm curious to, I mean, you're doing management consulting. What got you interested in multifamily investing? And then we'll talk about what that is and how Hudson investing helps people. For sure. So that's a great question. Really what it was, was, you know, in 2015, we sold our business and I had some capital from selling the business. I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket in the stock market. I had already been a pretty avid investor my whole life. I had a you know decent sized brokerage portfolio. Didn't want to throw it all in one place, right? So it really was about diversification. It was about diversifying. And I felt that real estate was a great way to do that. It's not correlated with the stock market, right? Meaning it doesn't go up and down as the stock market goes up and down, which is it's, it's hard to find things that don't. And it was just a great way to produce cash flow. And really what I got turned on to were all the tax savings. You know, I had a lot of gains and it was a great way to be able to, you know, take advantage of some of those tax savings. And so that really got me turned on to real estate. I didn't get into multifamily right away. I did a whole bunch of other stuff from like 2015 to 2019, including fix and flips, did a handful of those to building out a duplex and single family portfolio of longer term rentals. I did a short term rental Airbnb style, build out a note portfolio where I was holding the debt on several houses. So it took me a while to find the right place, you know, and none of those fit exactly. It's kind of like that Goldilocks thing, you know, and you go through and multifamily, when I really got turned on to multifamily, just from some mentors and through educating myself, it checked all the boxes for me. It had the cash flow, it had safety, it had scalability. And so I started investing first in multifamily as an LP, as a limited partner with other people. And it wasn't until 2019. So four years later of doing, I mean, pretty heavy real estate investing and trying and failing and figuring stuff out that I decided that I knew this I knew how to do it. I was pretty good at it. We had some wins that we you know, could chalk up. And really the evolution then was to start syndicating my own deals. And what I mean by syndicating, really it's a fancy way of saying you're just pooling money together. So to get several investors to pool money together to go buy something bigger and better than, than any of us could on our own. And that was really the idea was, was in, be, in doing that. In multifamily, there's safety in scale. So the bigger you can go, the better for a lot of reasons from a risk mitigation standpoint. And so we decided to do that. And so, you know, I had friends and family at the beginning, you know, it kind of evolves organically over time. I start talking about real estate because I developed this passion for it. And people start asking, well, what are you doing? How are you doing that? You know, how do I get involved? So the first deals were, were friends and family, mm-hmm. you know, smaller deals. And then now we're working on deal number 13. And it's grown and it's grown a lot and it's grown to be a huge network of investors that are not just friends and family anymore. And so we're all pooling our money together still. Myself and then you know another partner of mine, we're bringing about 10% of the equity in any deal. So we're investing right beside all of the investors and we're just buying bigger, better assets than any of us could on our own. I love it. Okay. So a lot to unpack there. Just a couple of things that you mentioned, yeah. which caught my attention. 
was you were looking for diversification in the stock market. I know a lot of people who love to invest in the stock market and that's mm -hmm. like their that's their go-to. Yeah. And you had mentioned you were really attracted to the tax benefits. You have gains, right? You have gains yeah. from the stock market. You love the tax benefits and the diversification and the security. Maybe dive a little bit further into why multifamily is a secure investment, not recession proof. I mean, just, yeah. but secure the stock market is, you know, you don't know what's going to happen on any given time, right. any given, you know, right. set of hours. Yeah. I mean, with the stock market, you just, you have no control over it, right? You're just at the whim of whatever happens with the individual company, but, but even larger than that, whatever the just consensus of the market is, right? I yeah. mean, most stocks in the stock market move together and are correlated, right? And so when you have things that move together, you have that correlation. So I was a finance and econ major in college. And mm -hmm. one of the big focuses was on portfolio theory and creating a diversified portfolio, because that's the only way that you can truly increase returns and also lower risk from holding any one individual asset. And so I was a true believer in that. And when you look at it, if you look at the evidence, you look at the, so there's a group called Tiger 21. To join Tiger 21, you have to have investable assets. So not even net worth, but like investable assets of $20 million or more. So like these are ultra high net worth folks. They post quarterly their average asset allocation across all their members. And it's always 20, 25, 30% real estate, right? And so when you look at this, these are some of the richest people in the world. Mm -hmm. And you also, if you look at like some of the major investors like Harvard or Yale endowments, right? Like you look at these sophisticated groups, 20, 25, you know, sometimes even up to 40% real estate. Then you go ask kind of the average person and not even the so average person. You ask doctors, you ask attorneys, right? You ask high net worth folks, or what's your exposure to real estate? And they say, zero. We don't own any. So my challenge is if it works for the richest people in the world and the most sophisticated investing institutions in the world, don't you think it's going to work for you too? I think at the end of the day, the reason that they're doing that is because they want to create that diversified portfolio because they want to lower their risk. So one, just in your own portfolio, there's diversification and that creates, that limits your risk, right? The point when you dig into real estate, and then one of the reasons I love multifamily and particularly value add multifamily. And the quick divergence is there's distressed assets on this side, which mean to me, that means you're buying an asset that isn't producing cash flow. You have to fund operations. Then there's turnkey assets on this side. And turnkey asset means it's just that you don't have to do anything, right? So, you, but there's not much upside, but you don't have to do any work. What sits right in the middle is what we call value add. And what that means to me is it's a viable business, it's producing cash flow. We have just identified some deficiencies that we know we can come in and solve and we can help it make more money. So when you think about why it is a relatively low risk investment, what we do, well, one, because we sit right in the middle where it's already producing cash flow. Many of these, I mean, because each multifamily property is a business, right? It has its own PL, just like any operating business. Mm -hmm. These businesses have been there for 30 to 40 years making money. I mean, they're not going anywhere. We're just trying to help them make a little bit more. Maybe we're going to help them make 20 to 30% more, right? And so and maybe sometimes 50, sometimes 100% more, depending. Yeah. But it's not this drastic change. I mean, yes, you have a higher risk reward 
potential higher risk and high reward, you know, in an asset that is an empty building, right? Because you're going to be able to buy it for cheaper, but there's a heck of a lot more that goes on, right? You got to spend a lot more on construction. You got to get it rented up, like, and you're funding it during that. So that's a riskier proposition, right? So we kind of sit right in the middle. It's kind of like saying like, well, you can make more money investing in startups. Sure you could, but what's the likelihood that's going to happen, right? You're going to have 20 where you lose it all. And one hopefully goes 10 or a hundred or thousand X, right? That's what everybody's yeah. going for, but it could be a hundred that go to zero and one that goes to a hundred. So it's just a different risk return. Ours are more cash flow is very steady and we're expecting to deliver really. My goal is to double your money in five years. That's kind of our baseline. In any investment, I want to be able to double your investment in five years. That comes from regular cash flow to the tune of seven to ten percent annually, and then the appreciation when we sell that property. And so that's why I say it's the best risk-adjusted return out there. When you factor in that I'm going to be able to deliver on that mm-hmm. with the amount of returns, you know, I think you can't be beat. And that's really what I landed on and really why I decided to go all in on multifamily. And so I think that's what a lot of people leave out is they look at return by itself and they don't adjust it for the risk they're taking on. Or the other way I'd call that is what's the probability they actually get that return. Yeah. Beautifully explained. You mentioned it's a business. It's a business that you can control forced appreciation. Yeah. Well, that's another great point that we really didn't even get into is this idea that with a stock, you really can't control anything. Mm -hmm. With these properties, I mean, we are coming in and forcing appreciation. I think that's where multifamily, to me, why I like it better than the single family stuff is more of a market rate valuation, right? Commercial properties are valued based on their income. So the more I can force the income to increase, right? By either raising rents, adding other income streams, or managing it better. For every dollar I can increase the income, I'm typically increasing the value of that property anywhere from you know, 20 to $25. And so it really is powerful. I mean, small changes make a huge impact when you take that number and multiply it by 20. Totally. I love it. And you know, I think the thing about multifamily investing, Ken, is that as compared to the stock market, is it's boring, right? Mm-hmm. The stock market, you invest, oh, it went up 50% today. I've got, look at all this money in my bank account. Whereas right. with what you're doing, it's more of a steady, slower approach long-term. I've had yeah. tons of my friends tell me this that are higher net worth individuals. It just, they're not excited about it, right? But yeah. again, you brought up the Tiger 21, the wealthiest people in the world are investing in real estate. And this is predictable and secure. So I'm giving you, you know, fifty or hundred thousand dollars to invest or a million, whatever it is, and you're paying me a return every month or every quarter, mm-hmm. however you pay. And like you said, the goal is to double your money in five years by you, you know, fixing up the property, raising the rents and adding yeah. value to the property and then either refinancing it or selling it. I assume that's what you do. That's and- right. Yeah, and, that and takes he, some time. It's not exciting, but when I get my check in five to seven years, I'm excited about that. You just got to wait, delayed gratification, right? <laughs> delayed gratification. I mean, the initial benefits are a couple of things though, because when people look at stocks, I mean, you're watching your portfolio go up and down. Those are all unrealized gains. You haven't put anything in your pocket, right? Nope. You on paper, that thing's gone up, but you know it could turn around like the beginning of this year and it could drop 30%. Mm-hmm. A couple benefits of real estate, the way we do it is- 
one, you're realizing gains throughout the process, meaning we're actually putting cash in your pocket each quarter, right? So you're actually taking, you're actually realizing some of those gains. You're also offsetting those gains and any other gains from your passive type investments with the tax savings through the depreciation that we're also sharing with the investors. And so I think that's an immediate benefit. So while you have to wait maybe five years for that big pop, Mm -hmm. you get the immediate benefit of tax savings to offset other gains. And you're actually realizing returns throughout the entire process. And I think those things, when you try to look at stocks and real estate apples to apples, it just doesn't exactly work. But I mean, you have to compare them in some way, right? But I, I think there's those differences. I think that what's really powerful for people is when you get into it and you start to see it snowball to the point where you've invested, you know, maybe you've been investing for three to five years and you're the point where every year now you have deals that are selling and you have deals where you're buying. And in each one that you're selling, the depreciation from the deals you're buying are offsetting the gains from those sales. And so you're kicking that tax can down the road. You haven't paid taxes on any of it yet if you do it right. And you can kick it. I mean, you plan this out over your whole life. You can kick it all the way down to the point that you pass away. And if you've done your estate structuring right, then your children receive a tax-free benefit. of They get all that real estate without any tax burden. And so it's pretty incredible when you think about it from a the ability to kick the tax can down the road if you do it right. And then from a legacy wealth standpoint of what you're going to leave to your kids and grandkids, I mean, there's really nothing better. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of your investors are, they're working a corporate job. Maybe they're busy W-2 professionals, you know, doctors, mm-hmm. lawyers, like you said, or yep. just they don't have the time to do what you do, which is That's manage right. these properties and operate. Is that what your investor profile looks like? I mean, that's a hundred percent right. And, you know, it's a lot of people that have, like you said, they're either busy in corporate jobs or they have their own businesses. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them, and then not a lot of them, but I definitely have a handful every once in a while come to me and they're like, you know, I want to invest in real estate. I'm thinking about buying my own duplex or buying this or buying that. And my challenge is always, you know, everybody has a highest and best use and everybody has a passion. And the way that you really maximize, I think your life and your values by focusing on your highest and best use. So if you're a heart surgeon, for example, and your highest and best use is saving people's lives, being a heart surgeon, and maybe even own your own practice, right? And so it's building that practice. If you buy a duplex, you're buying yourself another job. You're going to be the one that manages that, right? And so so why buy yourself another job where you need to become an expert in? It just doesn't make sense. It's double down on what you're already great at, right? And what you've spent time doing. And then let me who is a real estate expert and has a team and pays 50 grand a year for market data and has the resources, right? And the systems do that really well because that's what I love and that's what I'm passionate about. And so it's a way to for them to get real estate exposure without having to buy themselves another job and become a landlord and just leave it to the experts whose resources and focus is just better. What you just described is all in one word. It's called leverage. Leveraging other people's expertise and time and money and you go do what you do and that earns the best return. That's right. Yeah. Great explanation. I really want our higher income earner listeners to understand what the tax benefits are when you invest passively in a syndication. Maybe you could break that down a little bit. I don't want to put you any numbers or anything like that, but 
you know, someone yeah. that might be in the highest tax bracket, like what does it look like for them if they're investing money with you? Sure. So I'll just try to kind of explain the concepts. Yeah. So the tremendous value. So you always have depreciation with real estate and that's always a benefit of investing in real estate. It's in the IRS tax code. It's not a loophole or anything. It's really just, it's them incentivizing you to buy real estate. And what depreciation is, real estate's the only asset that on paper depreciates, meaning you can take depreciation as an expense against your income, right? Against your revenue, which lowers your income at the end of the day. So you have less taxable income, right? Mm -hmm. But in reality, real estate actually appreciates over time. And historically, it's shown to really always do that. And so, I mean, you can't buy a car, the car depreciates, but also the value really declines as it depreciates. Real estate, the value increases. So that's the one thing about real estate. Now, what went into effect in 2017 was one of the things that was implemented, it was called bonus depreciation. And it's this idea that without getting too complicated, the building is broken down into like personal property and improvements and land and the physical structure and the components that are the improvements are able to be depreciated through bonus depreciation all in the first year. So what that means for people is instead of depreciating, so typically what would have happened is let's say I buy a building for $10 million, yep. right? That 10 million of value would get split for multifamily over 27 and a half years. And you would get a piece, you know, one 27 and a half each year is depreciation. Mm -hmm. What bonus depreciation has done, and 2022 is actually the last year currently to get 100% bonus depreciation. But what it's done is allowed you to accelerate that depreciation schedule to typically what we're seeing, and it's different on each deal based on the dynamics. But if somebody invests $100,000, we're typically seeing them on their K-1, getting a depreciation amount or a negative K-1 to offset other gains of anywhere from 40 to 60% of their investment. So if you invest 100,000, could be 40,000 you're getting to 70,000 in depreciation, which offsets you know, all the gains from that property, but also any other real estate investments that you have that fit in that passive bucket as defined by the IRS. So it's really powerful. And that's what I mean by if you're selling and investing, right? If one investment sells in the same year and then you're investing in a new property and you're getting that bonus depreciation, you know, it's going to offset some, if not all, of the gains you owe on that sale. And when you're thinking about your capital gains and you're at a 20% rate, I mean, you know, you're keeping an extra 20% in your pocket, which is really powerful. And if you look at some of the compounding charts, like I saw this, somebody posted on LinkedIn the other day, it was like a, these compounding charts. If you start with $10,000 at the top mm -hmm. and you pay taxes yearly on your gains on this column and don't on this column, I mean, it was like a 20 X different once yeah. you play that out over like 30 years, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, the interest you pay on debt and taxes are going to be your two biggest expenses yeah. in life. Um, yeah. So I hope that was clear enough. It's a complicated topic, but hopefully people understand like yeah, you can avoid no, paying taxes. <laughs> high level. I mean, great job. We just want everyone to understand that there's significant benefits mm -hmm. to invest 
with someone like Kent and his group versus just like, hey, you're going to get you're going to double your money in five to seven years. You're going to get cash flow. You're in a safe, secure investment. You're in a great asset class. And, you know, you're also getting these massive tax benefits. It's not about what you earn. It's what you keep. So that's right. That's why I I wanted you to break that down. Yeah. Just as another point of comparison, you know, the long-term average of the stock market is you're doubling your money about every seven years, but there's some 10-year periods where you're flat, right? And so that's where, I mean, just as a comparison point without the tax savings of you moving from seven years to five years, that has a big impact over time. Yep. What are you looking at in terms of, because you, you mentioned value add, is there, you mentioned scalability. Is there a certain size of your asset class, like number of units that mm-hmm. you try to go after? Yeah. So we sit in a sweet spot of about 75 to 200 units. Nice. That's because at that 75 mark, and we've grown into that, you know, we started out with smaller things, but at the 75 mark, we could afford to have on-site management. And so it's the difference of having somebody on site every day versus having somebody on site, you know, maybe once a week or maybe a couple of times a week, maybe just once a week, right? So it's just the control you get from the on site management and on site maintenance. So a maintenance person just dedicated to that property. The reason that we cap out at about the 200 mark is because if you look at the largest institutions, the REITs, the PE funds, big institutional investors, they pretty much don't look at anything under 200 units. Mm-hmm. So when you get it 200 above, you start to enter a different playing field and you start to deal with you know the competition of these really large, I mean, I mean Blackstones and groups like that that are vying for a lot of the same properties. So we found this sweet spot where we think we get good economies of scale, but manage the competitive process, you know, in the competitive environment. And you know, we've been able to just carve out a really nice niche there. That's great. It's great to have a well-defined niche and understand, you know, where you're supposed to live. And yeah, I wouldn't want to be competing with the Blackstones and, you know, guys like that. So that's awesome. I would assume too that your investors, well, if I want to invest, if I want to learn more, because there's a lot to this. I remember when I, the first time I invested in Mm -hmm. a syndication, I had a ton of questions Mm -hmm. And, you know, what would you recommend to someone who's been thinking of they've got sideline money or maybe they've got a retirement account where there's money sitting there? And by the way, if money's sitting around, I mean, you might as well just throw in the trash. It's melting away at eight, nine percent inflation. So do something with it. What would you suggest (laughs) that they do, Kent, to get educated by you? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, just to second your message, yeah, please don't just have your money sitting in a bank account right now. You can't with inflation running as high as it is. Yeah. Two, if they want to get educated, so there's a couple avenues. And as I said at the beginning, we're really about leading with education. And so one is that's extremely accessible is my podcast, Ritter on Real Estate. The tagline is passively invest like a pro. And so it really is focused on the passive investor and how to make great investing decisions. So I'm asking experts in the field about, you know, why do you do this? Why do you look at that market? What do you like? You know, how do you evaluate? And we're looking at it from all different angles. So it's all just about educating and making people, helping people make better investment decisions. So one, there's that super accessible. You can find it anywhere podcasts are. Next, I would say go to hudsoninvesting.com because we've got a lot of education on the site from a weekly blog to terminology and just FAQs. Because one of the biggest hurdles of this space is there's just, there's a lot of jargon and there's a lot of 
metrics and things that aren't common if you're just used to looking at stocks, for example. There's different ways of evaluating. So we try to just get that hurdle by having, here's all the terminology you need to know. And here's a bunch of FAQs about how deals work and how things are structured. So I think that helps people get a level of confidence because I think a lot of people they just don't feel confident enough to even get on the phone with a sponsor because they don't want to feel stupid. You know, they don't want to feel like they're asking easy questions. So I think that helps people at least get past that level so they can get on the phone and ask the good questions that they have because there aren't any bad questions. And it is a relatively comp, it's not a complicated process, it's just an unfamiliar process, right? And with anything unfamiliar, there's going to just be this uncertainty. And so we're trying to just get past that uncertainty so that people can feel confident investing in these type of deals. Yeah. That's great. No, it's super complex. I mean, I remember I spent several years studying multifamily real estate. I love it. I'm super passionate about it. I still don't understand all of it, you know, and it got to the point where I said to myself, I don't really want to be an operator and that's okay. There's a lot involved there, but once I understood it, then it just became, okay, this investment makes sense. Now I just need to look at the deal and I can ask the sponsor, you, yeah. Questions about a particular deal. And I know you guys probably, you know, do a, like if you have a new opportunity available, you present it. And that's right. You know, yeah. We'll do. Returns. Yeah. And that's a great way to learn. I mean, even if you're just interested and you may be not ready to pull the trigger yet, right? Yeah. Is for every deal that we bring out, we put out a presentation. I put out a lot of videos, like now we even do like these HGTV style videos where I'm like walking the property and talking about, you know, here's what we're going to do. And here's where we're going to add this dog park and all that stuff. Right. But then we actually do a webinar where we walk through the presentation and every aspect of the deal and explain it. And then people can actually ask questions and we record those and we send those out to our email list afterwards. So people can look at it and like, and that is a great learning opportunity just to hear how we talk about it, how we're explaining things, hear the questions other people have, you know? And so those are great resources. I would say just even getting like, you go to hudsinvesting.com, you can get on our email list and you can at least access that info. Even if you're not ready yet and you're just wanting to understand, just, just looking at some of that stuff, I think is some of the best ways to learn. That's great. That's great nuggets. So you've given some resources to your your website, your podcast. Absolutely a must. I've listened to a couple of episodes. So Ritter on real estate, and you've got some high level people on the show, experts that know what they're talking about. And maybe another resource that you like, is there a particular book that you love or two that, you know, might be able, because not everyone takes their information differently, right? For is there sure. Something you su- could suggest there. For sure. Yeah. Gosh, real estate book wise, I've read a lot of them. You know, if you're kind of just getting started, there's a book called Wheelbarrow Profits by these two guys, Jake and Gino. And it's just a really accessible book on like the very basics of multifamily investing. So it's a really easy read. Like I said, really accessible. There's another book called, I think it's called The Hands Off Investor. It's by Brian Burke. That's a really good one. It's like more, that'd be like next level. It's like intermediary, you know, but you still want to be a passive investor. And then if you actually want to be an operator and you actually want to syndicate these deals, like like pull people's money together and go buy deals, Mm -hmm. the best ever real estate syndication book by Joe Fairless is like the Bible of real estate. It's just like, it's like the textbook. Like it's, he's poured a ton. And Joe's a guy I know for a long time. Joe has mentored me. 
he puts everything in that book. And so it's really, it's too detailed if you're not interested in being an operator yourself, but if you are, it's a good read. You know, another resource I would just give people is there's an economist who I really love and you got to be kind of an econ nerd to appreciate this, but a guy named Peter Lindemann. I don't know if he still is, but he was a professor at Wharton, but he focuses on commercial real estate and he puts out a quarterly newsletter and it's a fantastic just overview on what's happening in commercial real estate, different asset classes, different markets, really, really good stuff. Awesome. That's great. And you mentioned Joe Farrell. I've listened to his show and read his Mm -hmm. book and that he mentored you. So Mm -hmm. you bring up an important word. How important is that to you? And how do you feel about mentors and coaching in general? Has that been helpful for you in your life? Oh, extremely helpful. I think it's imperative. I think, especially if you're an entrepreneur, I think, especially for people like to your audience, making the jump from corporate to entrepreneur, if you've never been in that environment where you can wake up and literally do anything (laughs) or do nothing that day. I think it's really important to have somebody who's been there and done that. And so I think like, to me, there's the, what was important to me was to have coaches. And I guess maybe we'll call like a coach is somebody paid and a mentor not paid. I mean, I don't, you know, I've had both. I've had paid, I've had unpaid in whatever you want to do, find somebody that's done it at a high level and add value to them right? That's a great way. And so for me, it was like, find people in real estate and it was find people in multifamily and find syndicators. Like, And then also just from an entrepreneurial and personal development side, I have another coach who really just focusing on creating rituals and habits and how you're getting the most out of your life and being an entrepreneur and that kind of thing. Like, I think both aspects are really important. So it's kind of like the soft skills and hard skills kind of conversation. But to your Original question. Yeah, I think mentorship and coaching is incredibly important. Like you think about when you're a kid, whether you're doing music or sports or mathily, whatever it is, like you have coaches and mentors throughout your childhood and you progress so much because of those people. And then as we become adults, we lose that often. And so I think it's so critical that you continue to have people that, you know, can teach you, but also hold you accountable. Because you will do more for somebody else than you will ever do for yourself, right? If you got to answer to somebody else and say, did you do those three things? You're way more likely to do them than if you know that nobody else knows and you can just, ah, we'll push it to next week type of thing. You know, I've done that before. I've definitely done that. And so, yeah, really like coaches and mentors if you can't tell. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love that. I, I mean, as you were speaking about, you know, as when we're kids, we have all these mentors and coaches. I literally tell the story all the time because I went through it. Like I got to college and after school, I was like, oh, all right, I got, I'm good. I got all figured out now. Right. And as a result, I stayed stuck in my job for 25 years Mm -hmm. because I was bullheaded and stubborn. And -hmm. it wasn't until I invested in myself and got a coach and multiple coaches that I was able to move the needle in my life and get out and start my own business. I was talking to my coach this morning and it's not so much like, like you said, the tactical stuff. Like I've learned this skill of real estate. Like you've learned Mm -hmm. the skill of real estate, but it's like, what happens when something goes wrong? Yeah. That's where the value comes in. I was talking for 20 minutes. I thought I was going to lose $50,000 today and he helped me and I'm not. So that's where the investment really pays off is when something doesn't go as planned. Oh, a hundred percent. I know. I mean, I've paid a lot of money for coaches, but I know that they've saved me 
four five X, whatever I've paid, because I know there's some things where I brought to my coaches and maybe it's a deal I would have done that I didn't do that was a bad deal. And I didn't see why it was a bad deal at that time, you know, or just little stuff, man, I know there's been, I know I've had coaching calls where I'm like, wow, I think I just saved a hundred thousand dollars, Yeah, you know? So it really is powerful. And I, I think the thing that can be difficult for people is to you've got this, there's either a scarcity mentality or an abundance mentality, right? When you're in a scarce mental state, you view everything as a cost. You're like, well, it's going to cost me this much, right? When you have an abundant mental state, meaning you know that there's plenty out there and it's going to come to you if you do the right things, you can view it as an investment. And you really have to, because I mean, like I have a coach now, I paid $50,000 for him to coach me for the year. And it's like, wow, that's a lot of money. It's like, yeah, but I know my business wouldn't be where it is right now. And I wouldn't have done a number of deals I did this year had I not have had him in my corner. And so I know it's paid for itself. Yeah. Yeah. Now I agree a million percent. And so many of us even listening would think, oh, that's just insane. But yeah, we'll go buy a $50,000 truck at the drop of a hat. Right. You know, so the investment in yourself. And again, you were giving the correlation earlier how that truck decreases in value. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're actually getting return on your 50,000 because again, it's going to save you a hundred grand or scale your business, you know, 10 X. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the best thing you can do is invest in yourself. Yeah. I'm so glad we went down that road. Kent, this has been super, really educational. We could probably go another hour, quite honestly, talking about multifamily, but definitely yeah. go to your website, hudsoninvesting.com and check out Ritter on Real Estate, the podcast, a great show. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah. You know, final thought, you know, we mentioned that you shouldn't just have your money sitting in a bank account right now. Like, please don't invest in something that is going to appreciate and protect you from inflation, just where it's moving at right now. And, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now. I'm assuming that uncertainty is still going to be there as the show posts. I mean, I don't think a lot of this is going away anytime soon. There's never a perfect time to invest in real estate, there's really never a perfect time to do anything, right? You're never going to have perfect information. You just, you have to get started. When you get started, that first one, you're going to learn so much. And the second one is going to get easier and easier. Whether you're active or you're a passive investor, you know, it's that first one, but find a sponsor that you're comfortable with. Find somebody that you resonate with that'll explain things to you. And then just take the leap because it's the only way. There's never going to be a perfect time. That's great. That's great advice. Great way to end the show. Kent, dropping some, you're killing it today, man. So I appreciate you being on. (laughs) Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone make it a great day. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to www.w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W-2 prison break. Here's to busting you out.